Welcome to Liquid Church Media. The message you're about to enjoy was originally delivered live at Liquid Church. For more content, log on to liquidchurch.com or visit one of our campuses in the New Jersey metro area. Liquidchurch.com, where truth is relevant and grace wins. All right. Hey, welcome to Liquid Church, everybody. We want to give a big welcome today. We have campuses all around New Jersey in Essex County, Middlesex, Somerset, and Union Counties. Would you welcome them? We're glad that you guys are joining us, or if you're here at Church Online as well. We're here in week three of our series, Games People Play, and today we're seeing what we can learn from one of the most popular mobile games in history, Angry Birds. Who's played Angry Birds before? Raise your hand. Okay, anyone with rage problems? Okay, cool. Uh, if you have it on your phone, you can, I'm actually going to tell you, you can take your phone out open a game, show it to your neighbor. It's kind of a crazy game. It's kind of a silly game, but it became a global phenomenon when it came out a few years ago. Basically, this video game in, in a video game designers in Finland created this game where these kind of angry-looking birds who, di- who didn't have legs uh, were furious at these chubby green pigs because the green pigs had stolen all of their eggs. So they did what any angry bird would do. They put themselves in slingshots and began flinging themselves towards the huts and the hideouts where the pigs were hiding out. Take a look at this. I wanted to give you a quick demo on my phone here. You see, you kind of take the bird, you pull it back, you fire it, it smashes into their hideouts, breaks the glass, the stone, the wood. Then you take another bird. Some of them are made out of, the uh, the huts are made out of glass. You fire the bird, it smashes everything and you get points for being destructive, which I love. To me, I, I get why it's popular. There is something very therapeutic when you're angry about taking a bird and just shucking it and blowing stuff up, you know? Stay awake, people. We're going to keep you awake today. Oh, I love it. Right in the head. I love it. Now you're angry. Now you're angry. So fun. Angry Birds, very big hit. Listen, this became the first game that was downloaded one billion times. It made history. First time in history, Pokemon Go has now exceeded it, but they had a spinoff movie called Angry Birds that was released last year. Now, earlier this year, I should say, to me, I'm like, yeah, man, when you get angry, who doesn't like, you know, to kind of throw stuff at people? And don't tick me off today. More will be coming your way. What I want to do is I want to talk about how to handle your anger because anger is like one of the most common emotions, but the most misunderstood of all of them. Because a lot of people assume anger, oh, I get why we're talking about anger is sin. That's actually not true. In fact, the Bible says, in your anger, do not sin. In other words, anger is not always sinful. In fact, anger is an emotional ability given to you by God. And did you know? Think about it. God gets angry and God's perfectly loving. So understand anger is sometimes evidence of great love. If somebody hurts my wife, if somebody threatens my children, what's going to happen? I'm going to get angry because I love them. So understand if I didn't get angry, it would mean I didn't care. So the opposite of love is not anger. The opposite of love is apathy, not caring. And there are times in your life that you should get angry. The problem is not the anger. The problem is how we express it. Because there are healthy ways and destructive ways to release your anger. One is helpful. One is harmful, all right? And when anger is managed properly, honestly, guys, it can be a great ally. It really can. Anger can produce greatness in marriages, greatness in businesses, greatness in athletes. But if you let it get out of control, anger can destroy everything in its path, destroying marriages, families, and relationships. And the reality is nobody taught you how to handle anger. I bet when you grew up, your parents didn't say, here's how you deal with anger in our family. You just learned it. 
They either blew up or they clammed up. You didn't learn it at school. You probably didn't learn it in business unless you had to go to like an anger management seminar. But today I'm going to teach you how to handle anger biblically when you feel hurt, offended, or upset. So here's what I want to ask to begin with. Who is the person in your life right now who makes you mad the most? Can you visualize them? In your head, visualize the person who makes you the most, I said visualize, don't point to them. That's not right, you don't do that, man, all right? Visualize that person who ruffles your feathers, right? Maybe it's your, um, maybe it's your husband who's like, you know, chronically late. Or it's your wife who you feel like is always, you know, constantly criticizing. Maybe it's your kids who just don't obey on the first ask. Or your in-laws who are, you know, always critical. Or a friend who isn't really there when you need them, all right? Who's the angry bird in your life? Can you visualize them? You got it? You got them in your head? Now watch. Now visualize yourself getting angry. What does your face look like right now? How do you express your anger? Because I've noticed people typically go to two extremes when they get angry, depending on the way your family did it. There are some people who blow up, how could you, blah, 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 they start yelling, and others who clam up. They get very quiet. There's the mute who goes silent, and the maniac who rages. And depending on if you're Italian or Irish, you may be <laughs> one of these two, all right? Have you noticed this, two angry birds? The first one I call kind of the screaming eagle. These are people who yell, they get loud, they get that look in their eye, you know, the red, that, that, that vein that kind of bulges right here out of their forehead, right? They even may throw things around, you know, they're punching walls and kicking puppies, uh, you know, because of, you know, Mount Vesuvius and we all get out of their way. That's one kind of angry bird. And some of you are like, oh yeah, I got, I got an eagle in my family, but that's not me. Uh, I don't go around, you know, you know just slamming people and, and punching walls. That's because you'd be the angry bird that I call the smiling ostrich. In other words, you, when, it, when there's conflict, you bury your head in your sand and you stuff that anger down, 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 down. Just stuff it, suppress it, bury it. I don't want to have conflict. I don't want to look bad. I don't want to rock the boat. So you stuff your anger. And here's the thing. That buried anger will eventually calcify into something known as resentment and bitterness. In short term, you may have escaped conflict, but long term, you're going to be bitter. I wonder, which of these angry birds represents you when you get mad? Are you the screaming eagle who explodes, or are you the smiling ostrich who implodes and stuffs their anger down deep? Because most of us can get extremes. We clam up or we blow up. We become mute or we're the maniac, or maybe you're somewhere along that continuum. The reality is, guys, when you get angry, and all of us do, Neither of those extremes is healthy nor biblical. The Bible actually talks a lot about how to manage our anger appropriately so that it builds up relationships and doesn't burn them down. So I want to open God's word to Ephesians chapter 4 today. You can flip there in your Bible or in your phone about how to handle anger in a healthy way. And I want to anchor us in Ephesians, which says this. It's kind of the classic teaching on, on the anger, and then we're going to rhyme this out. It says, in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry, and don't give the devil a foothold. Paul says this in verse 31, get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander. It's like, is this a biker bar? No, he's saying this to Christians. Along with every form of malice, be kind and, what's the word? Compassionate to one another. 
forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. Today, I want to teach you as a Christian, as a, as a follower of Jesus Christ, how to deal with angry birds in your life, with people who ruffle your feathers and make you mad. How, how do you like, I mean, get rid of rage and anger? How, where's the magic wand? How do you express it in a healthy way? Because everyone in this room gets angry at some point. Well, today, I hope you are going to take notes because God's word outlines five steps to tame your temper for good. And if you're taking notes, the first step to tame your temper is you have to resolve to manage it. And what I mean by that is you quit saying, well, I can't control it and realize you can. You stop making excuses and say, well, you know, my dad had a temper and I just have one too. Or people, you know, or, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm Latino. We're so passionate people. No, 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 no. Anger is a choice, just like love. In fact, whenever you get angry, it means you're choosing to get angry. I sometimes hear people say, well, you know, he makes me so mad. Listen, nobody can make you mad without your permission. And the Bible says anger is a choice, and you are choosing whether to manage it or not. If you look in your notes, the Bible says this in Proverbs 29, 11, It says, foolish people do what? They lose their tempers, but wise people, what's this word? Control theirs. Circle that word control in your notes. Control means it's a choice. You have a responsibility. When you get angry, you are choosing to actually indulge your anger, and you can't blame anyone else. Again, a lot of people will blame their families for anger. Well, you know, my dad was a yeller, or my mom was hot-blooded, or fill in the blank. It's just the way I am. But the truth is, you have far more control over your anger than you want to admit. Let me give you an example. Let's say you're at home, and you're having a, you know, a little heated discussion uh, with someone else in your family, and you're in the kitchen, and now, you know, you know, she's raising his voice, and now I'm raising my voice, and I feel very passionate, and the emotions are getting welled up, and all of a sudden, the phone rings, and you go, you know what? I'm going to, hello? Oh, hey, yeah, sure. He's, he's right here. It's for you, honey. I'm going to let you later. Right? What happened? You just changed on a dime. Anger is highly controllable. You can change when you want to. In that moment, you just didn't want to be embarrassed or feel like you're losing control. So understand this. Anger is a choice, and that means the first step to tame your temper is you have to resolve to manage it. And that what resolve means is you decide in advance. So you can't decide, oh, I'm going to control my anger when you're in the middle of things, like your blood pressure is rising, the vein in your neck is coming out, you know, popping out, you got that look in your eye. You have already lost the battle at that point. Resolve means you decide in advance. You know what? Tomorrow morning before I walk into this meeting with my difficult boss, before I make that phone call to my PIA customer, you resolve, no matter what happens, I'm not gonna get angry. Before I walk into this door at home and speak with my teenager who broke her curfew again, you say, I am not gonna lose my temper. And you commit to God to de-escalate it before it happens. Not in the heat of the moment, but you realize anger is a choice and I'm gonna make the wise choice to control mine. How you do that is by remembering the cost. Second step in dealing with angry birds. When you remember the cost of uncontrolled anger, let me tell you, you will be highly motivated to manage it. There is a huge price tag to anger. The Bible really has dozens and dozens of verses about the cost of losing your temper. Take Proverbs 29, verse 22. It says, hot tempers start what? Fights, but a calm, cool spirit keeps the peace. Now, let's just take married people, husbands. Anyone want to testify to the first part of the verse? Hot tempers start fights, right? 
I remember Colleen and I got married, and it was like a perfect smash-up because uh, Colleen is uh, half Irish. She is half Italian. And when things get, get you, know, uh, you know, well, what can I just say? Things, uh, the volume goes up a little bit, okay? Um, because that's just how our family was. They just talk loud. They feel passionate. They start telling you. Now, I grew up Dutch, which means when we get angry, we get quieter and quieter and quieter. And when this person is yelling, this one goes, wow, I married a crazy person. <laughs> Who knew? It was amazing. And so she would get louder and louder, like, he's not paying attention. He's quieting down. And I'm like, she is insane. And we would smash up. I'm serious. I wrote about this in uh, you know, that book I wrote, You Married the Wrong Person. I threw spaghetti in our first year of marriage. I snapped my skin. I, th- I threw spaghetti. You can read about it because I didn't know what to do with this thing. The Bible says hot tempers start fights. And whenever conflict comes, here's what I've found in a marriage and family. People tend to be either a turtle or a skunk. You know what I'm saying about that? So, okay, if you're a turtle, what that means is when there's conflict, you pull your neck back in and you hide in your shell and I'm just going to be quiet and I'm going to withdraw. But if you're a skunk, you're like, I'm going to stink up this place. Everybody's going to know I got a problem here, okay? You kick up a funk, all right? Here's the truth. Skunks always marry turtles, and turtles always marry skunks. It's just God's sense of humor. He's like, you want to see something funny? Watch this. I'm going to make them marry together, all right? Let me give you a few facts you may not know. Did you know the average woman loses her temper three times a week, whereas the average man loses his temper six times a week, okay? I know some of you are like, oh, men are so angry. No, let's watch now. They get, they get angry at different things. Women most often get angry at people and relationships, I can't believe she said that. While men get most angry at events and things, like the lawnmower breaks. Stupid lawnmower, you know, kind of thing, you know? Traffic again, you know, or sports team loss. Oh, I'm so angry. You know, men are we're a little more simple creatures. <laughs> Single adults, they actually express anger twice as often as married adults. And you and men are far more physical in their anger than females. And you are most likely to get angry, anyone want to guess? At home than anywhere else in the world. It's kind of like, well, no, duh, right? Listen to me. Successful marriages are not marriages where there is no conflict and there's no anger. I hate that. All people come up, they'll be like, we've been married 40 years and we never had a fight. I'm like, no way. You know, I, enjoy your passive aggressive marriage. You know, <laughs> this is, doesn't happen. Successful marriages are where a husband and a wife have learned to manage their anger, and that marriage produces great depth of relationship and intimacy. Proverbs 11.29 says this. This is so interesting. The fool who provokes his family to anger and resentment will finally have nothing worthwhile left. In other words, when anger wins, you lose every single time. Think about that. You always lose when you lose your temper. In fact, you can write that in your notes. When anger wins, I lose. What do you lose? You lose trust. You lose respect. You lose the love of your family. Parents, you guys know this. You can scare kids into obeying you very quickly by getting angry at them, right? <laughs> You'll get them to comply when you, you know, kind of explode, right? Do you ever have this when your parents do this when you were little? Hey, if you don't brush your teeth and go up into bed right now, I'm going to come up there and... And then the kids are gone, they're like... I'm going to go watch TV is what I'm going to do, you know. And they calm down and everything. Why? Because anger works in the short term. You can get people to comply by scaring them, but the long-term effects are devastating. 
There are three long-term price tags to anger. I listed these in your notes. The first is more aggression. They will act hostile back. Then there's apathy. They actually start caring. And finally, alienation. The relationship falls apart. For instance, if you work for an aggressive boss, maybe you work for somebody who kind of yells, they're always threatening to fire people because they think like, oh, anger is a great motivator. Does that work? <laughs> Never. In fact, most of the time, you tend to get more aggressive back, like the emails start getting a little sharp, you know, starting to throw elbows, there's this competition, it's unhealthy, it turns toxic in the worst place. Anger breeds more hostility and aggressiveness. Second, if you keep getting angry, pretty soon the person, they just get apathetic, they don't care anymore. This happens a lot with teenagers and their parents. They say, you know what? My parents are always angry. I can't win. I don't care anymore. That's how a lot of teenagers feel. They say, you know what? I'm always wrong, and they're always angry, and so I'm apathetic. I'm going to stop trying. And watch this. If you keep getting angry, pretty soon comes alienation. The person will actually start moving away from you to protect themselves, and the relationship becomes strained and broken. So understand when anger wins, you lose every single time. You may get that short-term compliance, but the long-term, you will destroy that relationship with your child or your spouse or your coworkers. That's why you have to resolve to manage it and remember the cost. Remember, nothing destroys relationship faster than anger. So, so what do you do after remembering the cost of firing that angry bird off? Here's the third thing the Bible says. You have to reflect before reacting. In other words, you think before you speak. Think of it this way. If you're going to tame your temper, you have to watch your words. You put your mind in gear before you put your mouth in gear. Here's what James 1.19 says. It says, everyone should be quick to what? Say the word, church. Listen, slow to speak, and slow to become what? Angry. In other words, when the angry birds start chirping in your world, something ticks you off or makes you mad, the Bible says you need to slow down. You need to take your time and watch your words and let there be a little bit of a lag time before you respond. James says twice, slow it down, slow to speak, slow to become angry. Circle that word slow. He's saying one of the greatest tools for anger management is to delay your response. In heated situations, you slow things down, you take a minute, and you say, you know what? If I get an upsetting email, I don't fire one right back. Some of you have, it's like, some of you have a job, similar to mine, where it's like, basically, it's just getting hostile emails, right? You know, kind of, what do you do with them? If someone says something mean or critical to you, James says, don't reply back immediately. Be slow to speak. Delay your response and watch your words. Believe me, I'm, I'm kind of being facetious about that. But as a pastor, honestly, at 15 years, I have basically a whole folder of angry emails that I have drafted but never sent. You never hit send when you're angry. You ever hear like, um, hey, you know, if you're angry, count to 10. You know where that's from? Thomas Jefferson. Our third president said, when you get angry, count to 10 before you respond. You know, there's actually psychological wisdom in that. Delaying your response is a very effective tactic because the longer you hold your temper, the more it cools. Look at Proverbs 29, 11 again. It says this, a stupid man gives free reign to his anger. So the Bible's like, hey, do you want to be stupid? Here's how you do it. <laughs> stupid people just, ah, they vomit all over everybody. They freak out. They start waking up right over here, right? You were paying attention. Like, what is happening here, right? 
They just go nuts. That's the stupid people. But what's a wise man do? He what? Say it together. Waits and lets it grow cool. Do you know what Hebrew is for cool? Chillax. Okay? This is Hebrew for chill out, calm down. You know, at, at Liquid Kids, you guys know this, we have a thing called a chill space, right? For kids who might be a little bit over-energized. Some of you need a chill space at your work. <laughs> you need a chill space in your house. You have to hit pause and give yourself time to reflect. You may have noticed this. Nathan, hit me, hit me right here, big boy. Yeah! Oh! Everybody go wimpy, wimpy, wimpy. Wimpy! Come on, get your rage, man. Have you ever noticed it's super hard to put your foot in your mouth when your mouth is closed. That's the whole point here. The longer you hold the temper, the more it cools, and delay is a great remedy to it. Now, I'm not talking about delaying for a week or a month or a year. Remember our anchor verse in Ephesians? It says, don't let the sun go down on your anger. What that means is, thank you very much, <laughs> you don't carry anger from today over until tomorrow. If you hold on to your anger for more than 24 hours, guess what happens? It turns to resentment. And resentment is always sin. Anger is not always sin, but resentment's sin. So I'm not saying, you know, put it off and just carry anger in your heart for weeks and months. Don't deal with it. No, no. I'm just saying, if you find yourself in an argument and you both start getting emotional about it, it's okay to say, you know what, time out. Can we just take five-minute break here? Maybe you need to actually step out of the room or take a walk around the block you know, Colleen and I do this in our marriage all the time. Hit me up, big boy. Woo, angry birds on stage. Colleen and I, this is something we've developed in our years of marriage. Um, sometimes when we argue or we have strong opinions and we do about some things, I actually say, honey, can I just time out? I just, I just need five minutes. I need to take a walk. I'm not running away from you, but I just need like five, ten minutes just to clear my head and process this. And then I literally, I will walk outside of our house and I'll walk around the block. I'll take few deep breaths, and I'll actually pray. And Colleen will tell you, I come back a different person. I'm calmer. I'm more clear-headed because I've let things cool down. You let the physical symptoms subside, the blood pressure, the heart rate, the adrenaline, adrenaline. It subdues a little bit, and it gives you time to reflect. The Bible says reflect before you react. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. Some of you are like, well, Pastor Tim, that sounds great. While you're taking your little spiritual walk around the block, <laughs> what are you reflecting on, right? Here's the deal. This is the key. This is the key. You have to ask this question. Why am I really angry? What's, what's behind my anger? Because anger is not a primary emotion. Did you know that? Anger is a secondary emotion. In other words, it's always a symptom of something deeper going on. Anger is on the surface, but it's not the root cause. Anger is like a warning light on your emotional dashboard saying something's wrong. And when you get angry, there are typically three root causes. It's either because you feel hurt, you are frustrated, or you are afraid. Fear is the third one. Think about it. You guys, it makes sense, right? If you get hurt, just take something physically. If you're out, you know, you're working on the deck or something like that, and you have a hammer, and like, boom, you hit your thumb. What do you say? Do you go, oh, praise God, uh, you know, there's... <laughs> Of course not. You're like, ah, stupid hammer, you know, and you just throw it to the ground. If someone wounds you, even emotionally, with words, you're hurt. You want to hit them back, right? What's frustration? Frustration is when you're like trying to accomplish a goal, but you keep getting thwarted. Like you're late for, you know, work or a meeting and you have to wait in traffic. I am guilty of this like two or three times a week, okay? 
One of my personal character gaps is that I'm like 10 minutes behind schedule every day. Janet, my assistant, will tell you that, right? And so like I'll be driving. I'm like, oh gosh, I'm late for, you know, staff prayer meeting. And then suddenly now there's a detour and, I, and I'm trying to get past or, or I'm sitting at a light and the person in front of me, right, the light turns green and they don't move. And I'm like, come on, come on. You know, I start turning red. My angry bird starts tripping. I'm like, come on, let's go. I'm late for prayer meeting. Get the hell out of my way. Like, what the, where did it, what happened? I'm serious. I'm confessing my sins to you. Jersey traffic is a threat to my faith, okay? Frustration, I got an amen. Thank you for that. (laughs) Frustration causes anger, right? Or maybe you're the parent of like a newborn baby, and that baby, right, just cries and cries and cries, and no matter what you do, they will not sleep. They may have colic, no matter what you do, they won't be, so they just keep crying, ah, ah. What emotion wells up in you? Anger, frustration, you're like, why won't you be quiet? Can I put her in a little drawer and close it shut or something, right? But now you feel guilty about your anger for the baby, because the baby's doing just what babies do. That's the power of frustration. The third cause of anger is fear, and this one is more subtle. Most of it is insecurity. It's fear of losing something to you. Let me give you a real interesting example. Have you ever um, scrolled through like Facebook or Instagram, and you see like what your friends are doing, and you see them like, oh, look, they have a barbecue, you know, or or they take a great trip, or they're they're having a good party together or something like that. And you're like, I want to like this, but I sort of hate this, (laughs) right? Have you ever had that? Psychologists say it's a new thing called FOMO, fear of missing out. You're getting angry because you weren't included. And your fear is, I am being left behind. I'm missing out. Let me tell you something. Nothing creates insecurity like social media. Hurt, frustration, fear, insecurity, those are the three root causes of anger. And it's what's under the hood of your anger every single time. And this is key. You must learn to analyze your anger, what the root cause is, And only then can you release your anger appropriately. So ladies, let me give an example of this. If the way your husband looks at other women makes you mad, let's say, right, that's a common thing I'll hear from a lot of couples, like, I just don't like he's not in favor, but he looks at other women, you know. How how do you react to that? What do you do? You could become the screaming eagle, right? You're such a pig. You know, you're so insensitive, and you just blow him out of the water. Or... You could be the ostrich, right? He's going to get the silent treatment over dinner. We're going out tonight. I'm going to ruin everything, and I'm going to make him guess why I'm angry, right? Or when we get home, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to withhold sex. I'm going to punish him. He'll never do it again. Uh, does that work? Does that work? It never works because you're never getting to the root issue. You need to analyze your anger, find the root cause, and this is the courageous part. Speak truthfully and directly. Honey, can I tell you something? The way you look at other women makes me feel insecure. Like, like I'm not enough for you. You lower your defenses. You be honest. And you expose the root cause. And guess what? The majority of reasonable adults will respond to that. The majority. (laughs) It takes a real jerk to get defensive when somebody is being vulnerable like that. This is such a powerful principle that will keep the angry birds from making a nest in your marriage or in your home. You know, just the other week, our family was having dinner. We had this happen. You know, we had this great dinner. Colleen 
fixed up. And then, no surprise, we're done. And so me and the kids were like, hey, who wants to watch American Ninja Warrior? So we go hopping off into the kitchen. And Carl's there. She's like, oh, I guess I'm cleaning up, you know? And so she goes in the kitchen, and she's putting the dishes away. And you're like, <laughs> she's putting the dishes away. But you know when, the, when you're closing the cabinet door is a little too loud, you know, kind of like, I'm like, what's going on in there? You know, is something wrong? It took me 10 years of marriage to have that thought, is something wrong? And it took another eight for me to say, I'll go see. Because normally, <laughs> most of the time, I'm like, I ain't going in there, kids. Just turn it up out here. So I go in the kitchen. I go, hey, something wrong, sweetheart? Now understand, early in our marriage, Colleen would just go, she'd go, no, nothing at all. And I would have said, okay then, and walked right out of the, watch American Ninja Warrior. And it would just unravel, unspiral from there. Not good. After 18 years, we have learned to communicate honestly about root causes. So Carl says, you know what? Actually, there is something wrong. I'm frustrated. I'm like, why are you frustrated? She's like, Honey, I'm, I come home from work all day. I make dinner, and you know what? We're done, and you guys just go and, you know, you want to go relax and lay on the couch with the kids and watch American Ninja Warrior, which is like, uh, that's a lie. You don't want to watch that. You watch Dancing with the Stars. But I don't let that go. I let that go. And so, and she goes, she goes, and you know what? I feel like a maid. Like, I'm stuck in here, and you guys don't care at all, and I'm just frustrated. So guess what I did? I go in. I said, kids, hit the DVR record button and grab a towel we are going to dry dishes tonight. Domestic dispute diffused. Angry bird silenced. Early in our marriage, that would have taken an entire week to unravel that. See, you have to learn to release your anger appropriately. There's always a right way and a wrong way to express anger. There is this helpful way and there's a harmful way. I told you earlier about the screaming eagle approach where you blow up and you yell or you launch verbal bombs, and you know what? It's funny. If you release your anger like a rage monster, guess what? You'll feel better short-term. But the long-term effects are devastating. Psychologists say a lot of people think there's a bucket of boiling anger in your heart, and you, if you just pour it out, you just bah, vomit it all over everyone, you'll feel better. Here's the problem. You don't got a bucket of anger in your heart. You have a factory inside of there. The human heart produces anger naturally and nonstop. And whenever you express it by screaming or yelling or blowing up in a rage, guess what? It doesn't diminish production. It just increases it. When you erupt like Mount Vesuvius and you, you know, pour out your lava, scorched earth over everyone around you, it may make you feel better, but it's absolutely destructive. Again, maybe you don't relate to that. You don't go scorched earth or kick puppies, but that's because you're a, you're a mockingbird. Have you ever seen this bird, Mockingbird? This is the person who releases their anger through sarcasm. It's very passive aggressive. They make little sarcastic comments and insults and cutting remarks because if anybody ruffles their feathers, they just slice and dice them like cold cuts. They got a deli tongue. <laughs> Criticize and judge. And typically, people who are judgmental and hypercritical are also very insecure. So you got to look under the hood. Insecurity is the root cause behind a lot of backbiting and gossip. So which of these do you identify? The screaming eagle, you know, the smiling ostrich, or the mockingbird? Because every one is a dysfunctional and destructive way to release anger. What's the biblical way to express anger? Here's the answer. You don't express it. You don't suppress it. You confess it. You admit you're angry and confess the cause. Remember, anger is not sin, guys. It's an emotion. 
If anger was a sin, then God's a sinner because God gets angry. You know what? The God who made you, God gets angry when he sees child abuse. God gets angry when he sees a rape. God gets angry when he sees poor people being taken advantage of or ignored by rich people. God gets angry when he sees racial prejudice. There are a lot of things in our world that are just flat out evil and you ought to get angry about them. But the Bible says, in your anger, do not sin. That is, release your anger appropriately by confessing it. Who do I confess it to? Well, first off, you confess it to yourself. You admit this, I am human. I have been hurt. I've been wronged or I've been wounded. I, I feel frustrated or afraid. You admit your insecurity and you say, you know what? I feel angry because of that. And then secondly, you confess it to God. You admit to God how angry and hurt you are and ask him to help heal your heart and control your anger. Because if you don't have the strength, you need supernatural patience where you're weak. And it's only after you confess it to God do you then confess it to the person you love. Remember, love always tells the truth. Love does not pretend like something didn't hurt. Ah, oh, just a scratch. Are you angry? No, I'm fine. I hate you. <laughs> love doesn't act like it's not ticked or if your husband or wife made you mad or your, your children or, or, or your in-laws or whatever it is. It doesn't pretend that didn't happen. That is repressed anger. There's a word for repressed anger. You know what it is? It's called depression. The number one cause of depression is suppressed anger. When you stuff anger down inside, it causes you to get depressed. It's not the only cause of depression, but it's the number one cause. Depression is often frozen rage. It's swallowing your anger, and then your stomach keeps score. Eventually, it swallows you. And that's why you have to confess it, honestly, but tactfully, to the person who hurts you. Out of love, out of a desire to restore the relationship, you actually have to let them know you're angry. You confess the cause behind your angry bird. What's that look like? It's a conversation like this. Honey, I, I am frustrated right now because I just looked at our bank account again. And are you overspent and our savings is now, it's empty? And we agreed. We, this was the year we were going to stick to a budget. We were going to pay off our debt. And just when I think we're making progress, I go to our account and it's drained. And I'm frustrated. I want more for our family's future. And I need to feel like you're in it with me. I need you as a partner. Is that angry? That's called releasing your anger in love and in health. Love does not fly off the handle. But it also doesn't suppress the truth. Love has one goal to repair and rebuild the relationship. And that's why you must rely on Christ's help. This is the fifth and final step in taming your temper for good. I can see it from some of your faces. Some of you are like, okay, there is no way I can do this on my own. You are 100% correct. You can't. If you go back to Ephesians 4, God says this. He says, get rid. In other words, run away from, fling it away. What? Of all, look at the list. Of all bitterness... Rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Is there anything this doesn't cover, right? How do you do this? And then he gives the answer. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other. Here's the cure. Let's read it together. Just as in Christ, God forgave you. So you guys, at the end of the day, 
Your battle with Angry Birds isn't going to be solved by reading a self-help book or watching Oprah. It's not going to be taken in anger management class. The only solution long-term is God's power to change you from the inside out. I realize here today you may not be a Christian or you're just visiting and I don't know why God brought you here today. Maybe a friend invited you. But let me tell you what we have found. We're not perfect people. We're, we're, we're trying to follow Jesus. As Christians, here's what we've discovered. When the love of God fills your heart, here's what I mean by that. When you look at the cross of Jesus Christ and what that means, you know what the cross means? It means all of God's righteous anger at the world's sin and that your sin was poured out on his son and not you, it will melt your heart. You will realize that God is not only angry, but he is a God of love. And his mercy triumphs over justice. His love swallows his wrath. And all that righteous anger God had that we deserved was poured out on Jesus Christ, the only man to never sin in human history. And because of that sacrifice, God is no longer angry with you. Instead, all your father has for you is love and forgiveness and infinite patience. When that hits your heart on a personal level, it changes you from the inside out because now you have this ability not just to offer the same love but forgiveness from the heart for other people. The Bible says the fruit of God's spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, self-control. In other words, when God's spirit fills you, he gives you this new ability. It's actually supernatural to respond with patience and self-control. You can't just control your anger. He gives you the supernatural ability to forgive others from the heart. That's how God helps heal our anger. God goes straight to the heart of the problem, and the heart of your problem is a problem in your heart. The Bible says anger starts in the heart. Anger doesn't start in your emotions and your feelings. Anger doesn't start in your family history. It starts in your heart. Scripture says whatever is in your heart comes out of your mouth. And what that means is if you find somebody with a harsh tongue, it reveals they've got a hurting heart. You find somebody with a critical tongue, it means they've got an insecure heart. On the other hand, you find somebody who's, who's always encouraging, who is truthful but gentle and tactful in their words, you know what's inside their heart. It's called the Holy Spirit the spirit of Christ himself. If they're always speaking a kind and understanding and patient way, you know they have the spirit of the living God inside their heart. See, maybe you're here today, guys, and you realize, you know what? Wow, I wasn't expecting this, but they're talking to me. I've got an angry birds issue in my life. It's only one solution according to God. You need a heart transplant. You need a new heart. In Psalm 51, King David, he prays, he says, God, create in me a clean heart. You need to pray the same thing. God, I need a new heart. I need a heart transplant. You've got to cleanse me from the inside out. Because there's a lot of you here today, we were never taught this. It was never modeled for us. And maybe you were raised in a home where you felt rejected or you felt, you know, unloved or unworthy or you were taught to squash your emotions. Or maybe you were hurt deeply by somebody you love, someone you really trusted betrayed you or they never gave you the approval that you were looking for your whole life, and you feel angry. You know what God says? God says, I see your pain, and it matters to me, your father, because I love you. I loved you so much, I sent my son to die for you, so I can help 
heal your heart. If you ask me, guys, understand something. You were created by God and for God, and until you ask him to fill that God-shaped hole in your heart, you will give in to angry birds every single time. In the end, we all must rely on Christ's help. Only Jesus can heal a hurting heart with his love. So if you have a frustrated heart today, you know what? God can actually fill it with peace. You got an insecure heart, God can actually give you security and confidence. If your heart is hurting, you can receive the power and security of Christ's love by inviting him into your heart right now. And so I'm going to invite all our campuses. Let's just bow our heads for a moment of personal prayer. This is a chance for you to do business with God and talk to your heavenly father. Let me pray for us first. Father, I know you're speaking to people right now. I feel it in this room. I know that's happening across campuses. Lord, there are many people at church today, at every campus, who are struggling with anger. We admit it's sad, but it's true. God, we often get angry at those we love the most. I ask you to help us, Lord. Whatever the hurt or frustration or fear, I ask, would you help us right now to confess it to you so we can experience your hope and your healing today? Again, let's keep all our heads bowed. Our eyes are closed. We're praying. If you're here today and you're like, Tim, I, I need God's help. <laughs> I have an anger issue. I, I want God's healing. If God's is speaking to you and you would like his help with all heads bowed, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand right now so I can pray for you. Just put it up. Where you are, raise your hand. Let's raise it up. Yeah, ton of hands. I'm not surprised. Me too. It's just saying me too. All of our campuses, raise it up. And here's what I'm going to ask you to do is your hand is in the air. Would you just make it into a fist? While your hand's raised, just clench it into a fist just as a way of saying, God, I have an anger problem. And I want you to pray silently along with me right now. Just pray this in your heart. Dear Jesus, I admit I have a problem with anger and I need your help. I need a heart transplant. I want Jesus to fill my heart with his love. And so I'm opening my heart by opening my hand. Now go ahead, just open your hand as a symbol of opening your heart to God and say, Jesus, I'm opening every room in my heart completely to you right now. Come into my life, save me, and change me. I'm resolving to manage my anger today. Just tell him, say, God, I confess my temper has hurt those I love. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Help me reflect before reacting. Teach me to release my anger appropriately. Holy Spirit, make the changes only you can make. In Jesus' name and power. Father, I thank you for your truth. Your word is just like so relevant and so practical to every area of life. Jesus, we want to be lovers, not haters. We want to be filled with your spirit and your peace and your joy. So fill your children now as we leave this place. We ask that in Christ's name and for his glory. Everybody said together, amen, amen. amen. Thanks for listening to Liquid Church Media. If you were inspired or challenged by today's message, we hope you'll tell a friend. For more content, log on to liquidchurch.com or visit one of our campuses in the New Jersey metro area. Liquidchurch.com, where truth is relevant and grace wins.